You have something that your enemies do not. You've got something that your friends do not. You have something that some of your family members have forgotten about. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. Hallelujah. We are so glad to be here on this evening. I'm thanking those who are listening on airjesus.com. Grab your Bibles and turn, please, to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. Uh, four short verses that we're going to read, very familiar to us. I want to talk about something that you may or not, may or may, you may or may not have considered um, what state you're in today and how you're going to find yourself uh, in this world. Um, you're one or the other, and the decision is entirely up to you which one you want to be. Uh, reading from the King James Version, First um, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot, lo- that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The question I want to ask you tonight is a simple one. Are you a victim or a victor? You a victim or a victor? Victim is defined as a person who suffers from a destructive or injurious action or agency. Something has happened to cause that person to not uh, succeed. They have become a victim. Also, a person who is deceived or cheated as by his or her own emotions or ignorance, by the dishonesty of others or by some impersonal agency. Lastly, a person, an animal that has been sacrificed in regards to sacrifice. That's what a victim is. Okay? A victor can be defined as a person who has overcome or defeated an adversary, a conqueror, a winner in any struggle. You have heard tonight there's many ways you can be a victim. You can be cheated. You can be robbed by somebody. Something or someone can injure or harm you. You can do all of that to yourself even. However, there's only one way to be a victor. you got to win. You can win all by yourself. You can win with the help of other people. But the outcome is, in the end, you win. So there are many ways to be a victim. It's only one way to be a victor. So how do you see yourself tonight? Are you a victim or are you a victor? Are you a winner in any struggle or are you a person that gets deceived or cheated by your emotions, by ignorance, by the dishonesty of others, or by being made to feel insignificant or ignored as a person? Now, I'll have to let you answer that question for yourself. Your honest answer will say a whole lot about what you think of yourself and how you allow the word allow other people to treat you. So I'll ask you the question again. Are you a victim or a victor? It's it's really a matter of position, not condition. A lot of times you have to uh, you think you have to be in a certain position in order to be a victor. But it's really about 
condition, the condition you find yourself in. How many times have you seen a boxing match where one fighter is being pounded by another? I mean, just pounded. You're just thinking, how can this person hold on? But then, out of nowhere, the right punch in the right place takes the person who was getting the beating now standing over the other person in victory. It's not about condition. It's all about position. Okay? Now, recently, I don't know if you heard about this. I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, the National News reported that a young lady was kidnapped when she was about eight years old. Um, kidnapper broke into apartment floor, um, took her out, um, dragged her up into the mountainside. I think it was out in, in the state of Texas. He raped her. Um, and tried to silence her by slitting her throat. Miraculously, the lady survived. She was tenacious about getting justice. She was so tenacious that even without her voice, she gave such an incredible description of the person that when he was recently caught a few months ago, and you compare his driver's photo then to the description she gave back then, there's an eerie resemblance, and you can't help but understand she ID'd this man. She said of herself that she was determined not to be a victim, but to be victorious. Amen. So you can tell me about bad circumstances all you want. It does not matter where you are, but where you allow yourself to stay. Again, the question tonight, are you a victim or a victor? Scripture gives us a great picture of this exact struggle, being a victim or a victor. The young man David had to answer this very question in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, if I can set the scenario up for you, Israel was in war. They're at war with another nation. This nation had gathered their armies and they met in this valley, the Valley of Elah. And they were in battle which means they had their weapons and their armor and they were prepared to fight. But for some reason, the battle just never commenced. Out of nowhere, this warrior steps forward and he puts out a challenge to the entire nation. He says, why should all these armies fight and many people lose their lives? You send one person out. To fight against me. If he kills me, then we will be your servants. However, if I kill him, then you become our servants. Ah, it's amazing what we allow people to do to us. One person can sink a ship, no matter how big it is, all because of their actions and what they do. Israel, an entire nation, was being challenged. They were being pushed around, threatened. In today's words, they were being punked by one man. Now, as I set this up, this is one man, but this was one very big man. And we all know the story of David and Goliath. That's what we're talking about tonight. Now, now, now David had a question to answer, as we do. Am I going to be a victim today, or will I in turn become the victor? See, his name meant Goliath. His, it means shame, captivity, disgrace, exile, captives being stripped. The interesting thing is that the meaning of his name does not say anything about him, 
but what he did to other people. So as his name was spoken, people knew exile was coming. Goliath, your captor is standing before you. Goliath. So here we go. For 40 days, this one man stood up in front of two armies and cried out, please fight me. Is anyone in your nation strong enough, brave enough to step forward and fight against me? Many times life issues challenges to us every day. Same challenges over and over again. Us not understanding who we are, we do like Israel did. We cower in fear, not understanding the power that lies within us. Goliath issued this challenge for 40 days. The problem is, is they were too scared to act. Many of us, when we look at our situations, become frightened because we look at the circumstances and become scared. We think, surely I can't take this on and win. But you haven't tried yet, have you? Every battle starts with a start. Every battle ends with a victor. The one who is most determined to win still stands. So, again tonight, are you a victim or are you a victor? Now, when you consider the adversary, fear can be understood. Now, this is a giant, okay? Honestly, the man could have been ten and a half feet tall. You think of the tallest person in the NBA who may be like seven, six, seven, eight. Uh, that's tall in our understanding. But add three and a half more feet on top of him and then talk to me about being scared. This giant, he could have been as tall as ten and a half feet. The weapons that he carried, the helmet, the shield, the sword, the spear, the coat of mail, his shin guard, the chest plate, they all weighed a small person now, 150 pounds. He walked around this proudly and without seemingly uh, any distress. So you had to wonder, can I win this fight? You might think that this big man picking this big fight on such small people. Yes, it was an unfair fight. But you have to understand, and I'll say it loud, I'll say it proud. Life is not fair. Since life is not fair... I personally don't believe in fair fights. Understand this. Fight with me. I find anything I can to put you on the floor. You going to do the gentleman's rule where we're going to stand toe to toe? Don't expect that with me. I'm sorry. That's not the way I roll. I don't do it that way. My goal is still to walk out in good health, in good strength, and as little discomfort as possible. Thus and therefore, whatever means I have at my disposal to put you on the ground is what I will use. In Jesus' name, of course. <laughs> Fight wasn't fair. It's not fair. David came on the scene, this young boy who was not there when the first challenge was issued. He did not hear all of the, the talkings, all the rumorings, all the, the things that everybody was saying. So he was unfazed when this person stepped up and said something to him. That seemed just a tad bit disrespectful. He had to wonder in himself, uh, you're, you're an army, right? And, and this guy wants to fight. You're standing here. He wants you up there. What's, what's going on? And, and, and the people said, you must not understand. This, this man, Goliath, wants to fight. And when you look at him, you see how big he is. But David knew how big his God was. David understood that there is no such thing as a fair fight because when I fight, everything that is with me fights with me. 
People have an understanding of gang mentality, right? Because if you jump on one person in a gang, you might as well fight the entire gang. Is that right? Well, whenever someone wants to pick on me, then my entourage wants to fight with them. Jesus said that if he wanted to defend himself from going to the cross, then he has legions of angels that at his beck and call would come and fight for him. But him knowing his assignment said, that's not necessary. We don't have to do that. Jesus himself said that the, the angels of the little children see his father's face often, often, often. So I have an entourage. You just don't see it. So if you want to fight with me, that's all right. Just understand you're not just fighting me. You have a whole host to fight with. This fight is not fair. David came on the scene and, and this Philistine champion challenged this nation. He was amazed that nobody responded. He could not figure out why no one would take up the challenge. The thing about it is, is that it wasn't so much to David that he insulted his nation, but the fact that he insulted his God. And in his eyes, in David's eyes, the God of the universe, the creator of, the, of everything, was the one who had Israel's back. So if you know that God, think about it, God is standing beside you, why do you fear? Why are you afraid? If you would just turn quickly with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're, we're going to look at this and, and see if we can't get a little bit of an understanding about what is going on. I, I've kind of set it up for you already. Um, the armies are ready to fight. The challenge has been issued. No one's coming out. David walks on the scene and now he's ready to inquire about what is going on. In verse 26, he says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? By him calling him an uncircumcised Philistine, he's saying, This man has no covenant with God. God has no alliance or allegiance to him, so why are you scared? Why is it that God, who has chosen you, who has selected you, who is beside you all the time, why don't you think he's going to fight for you? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And anytime anyone not within the body of Christ picks a fight with you, you should ask yourself the same question. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? It can be a corporation just as well as a person. Who is this uncircumcised, this person who does not know God? Who is this person to challenge me? They must not know who I am. But David knew he, who he was. See, David had something that his kindred did not have. He had brothers in his army. David had something that most of his relatives forgot about. David had something that his people could have. They chose not to use it. You're going to be amazed at what it is that I tell you. You're going to be surprised because you're thinking of some grand thing. He's got a big howitzer somewhere. He's got machine guns. But we're talking back in the, in the Stone Ages. He didn't have all that stuff. So what is this thing that David had that gave him the ability to fight and know he was going to win? David had faith. Wow, I said it. David had faith. The very thing that David had is the very same thing, according to our scripture tonight, that has given us the victory. 
faith. Now, the Greek word for faith in our text is pistis. It means assurance, something to stand on. If I were to stand on a chair, I have confidence that the chair is able to hold me up. You guys show faith every day when you sit down without first going to your chair, looking and shaking on it and making sure it's sturdy enough and then taking your seat. But many of us will sit down without thought. Can this chair hold me? We have faith in believing because it's there. It can. Have you ever seen someone sit in a chair and unexpectedly, boom, they hit the floor? They still had faith, even though that chair did not have the ability. David had faith. He had something to stand on. David had an assurance that he would win. Okay, now, wait a minute. Small boy, big giant. Assurance. Are you sure about that preacher? Yes, I am. Assurance. Assurance. A declaration that something inspires or is intended to inspire confidence. Freedom from uncertainty. So, so preacher, you're telling me that David was sure. He was certain he was going to beat this giant. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He understood that the God of Israel was fighting and not him. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. That's where we're going to pick up our reading. It says, And the Philistines came on and drew near to David. This is Goliath. He is coming at David, ready to fight, thinking a challenge has been issued. He's been calling out, Send your best man. Send him out. I'm ready to fight. Let's rumble. Let's do it. Let's get it on. He sees someone coming out and he thinks the challenge has been issued. It's on. Let's go. As he's walking, he looks and sees David. 41 says, and David came, um, the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bared the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy, and uh, and of a fair countenance. Isn't it amazing when we look at attractive people and we think, can't fight? You'd be surprised. You'd really be surprised how well some people, although dressed nicely and looking beautiful, if I must say, have the ability to put you on your duff in just a second. He looked at David and said, ah, you got to be kidding me. Now, I'm a man of war, been fighting all my life, killed millions, thousands of people, and now you want me to fight this young boy. you got to be kidding me. The, the giant picks up and he said unto him in verse 43, am I a dog that you come at me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. He's hurling insults at David. And that's what the enemy tries to do to you. One of the reasons why the greatest fighter, the greatest boxer in the world was so successful is because he beat up his opponent before he set foot in the ring. Oh, y'all know who I'm talking about. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, greatest fighter in the world. Yes, he could put it up when he was in the ring, but the battle was warm before he stepped into it because the man ran his mouth 24 hours a day. If you gave him a microphone, he talked your ear off and you're just thinking to yourself, would you please just shut up? Let's fight. Let's go ahead and get it on. I can't stand hearing you talk. Let's fight right now. The man talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. Oh, he was a fast talker, just about as a fast mover he was. Yes, he could float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, but Lord help his tongue would beat you up long before you set foot inside that ring. Because he knew fighting is more mental than physical. If I say the right thing and get you off your game, I can put you down in just a second. Because in your mind, I can get inside 
and get you thinking, I got you. Oh, I got you. So here, this Philistine is throwing insults at David. And David right now, he says in verse 44, uh, he says, come to me and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Look, I'm going to kill you. And not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to humiliate you. I'm going to allow nature just to do with, um, with your body as they will. Whatever they want to do, it's OK with me because I'm just going to leave you that way. Most of us would cow in fear, understanding, oh, my God, this man who has fought all his life now is challenging me and he's telling me what he's going to do to me. And that's where the enemy gets in your head and says, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. You must not know who I am. Don't you know I can do this and I can do that? Yes, I've ruined nations. I've, I've killed millions. And he's talking to you right now. What you need to do is stop listening to him and start listening to God. I love David's response in verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. But contradiction means something's getting ready to change. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He says, you're not fighting with me, my friend. You're fighting with God. And you need to understand with any fight you get ready to get into The battle is not yours. The song says what? It's the Lord's. That is truth. The battle is not yours. The battle really belongs to the Lord. David had an uncertainty, excuse me, a certainty that he was going to win. By faith, David heard what we can read today for ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, now, thanks be to God, which gives us, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We have victory in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses four and five says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Bringing into captivity, here's the word, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Fighting is here, my friend, not here. You have something that your enemies do not. You've got something that your friends do not. You have something that some of your family members have forgotten about. You have something that the world has available to them, but they don't use it. You have faith. The reason why you're here is you have faith. You have an assurance. You have a reason, something telling you everything is going to be all right. Doesn't matter what the world looks like on the outside. On the inside is peace. Because we have faith, we can know. That Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to your, his purpose. If you're worried how it's going to turn out, don't fear. It's working out for your good. Yes, it might be trying today, but good is on the outside. Yes, you may have a hard time today, but keep walking. As you go through, you'll see the good you're getting ready to walk into. Yes, things may seem like the world's getting ready to end, but child of God, rest assured, God has not left you. He's still there, and because he's still there, good is going to come out of every situation you're in. Time is getting ready to wrap up, saints of God. I'm so glad you joined us. I want to again welcome those who are joining us by airjesus.com. Um, if you want to continue listening to the sermon, you can reference sermon number 6301. Again, thank you for tuning in to Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the word.
John chapter four, verse four says, ye are the said ye are of God, little children have overcome them. You have overcome them, little children, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Believe it or not, saints, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the Lord of all lives inside of you, inside you. Think about it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He that is in the world is talking about the very enemy we've been talking about all night, the devil, Satan, the one who is the accuser of the brethren, trying to bring us down, trying to discredit us in the eyes of God. God is in us. There's nothing we can't do. Romans 8 um, verses 35 and 37 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? You're going through the hard times, right? The economy is hard on everybody, right? You're wondering where you're going to um, continue to get that paycheck from, right? Tribulations, distress, is that going to separate you from the love of God? What about persecution? People coming after you and, and making your name bad when you're trying to live right and do what's right. Can famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul said in verse 37, no. In, inside tribulation. Inside distress, inside persecution, whatever it is, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Say to yourself, more than conquerors. Say it again, more than conquerors. That's what you are. You are more than a conqueror. Jesus Christ who loved us. Our faith makes all these scriptures possible. Faith is such a small word, but... It's like me when it comes to fighting. It carries a big stick. Please don't underestimate small things. My mom told me a long time ago, don't despise small beginnings. Many of us want to run before we can walk. So appreciate where you are. Uh, It's a thin line between love and hate. Y'all know the song. Come on now. There's another saying that one man's trash is another man's treasure. There is a thin line between being a genius being insane. Think about it. Some of the smartest people in the world are on the edge of being just flat out nuts. All these sayings we have heard, and to some degree we can accept them as being true. What I would like for you to grasp from these sayings is that small margins matter. Small things matter. Now, think of a coin. Take out a coin and next time and just look at it. If you look at its thickness, you can see that it's a small measurement between heads and tails. When playing sudden death overtime football, that small measurement counts. Now, from 2000 to 2007, regular season games, there have been 124 overtime games. Every single game except one, the team that won the toss elected to receive. And those receiving teams won 60% of the time. One tie. Small amounts matter. Ask somebody in Georgia with less than an ounce of marijuana. Then ask somebody who's got an ounce or more if small amounts matter. That small amount, ounces. I'm not talking pounds, saints. Ounces. That small amount is the difference between you receiving a misdemeanor and a felony. Small amounts matter. I don't know if y'all, I've had some, i got a friend, you may have heard of people who walk around because something happened in their former life, in their younger life, they got shot, they're still walking around with a bullet inside of them. You're thinking to yourself, in modern medicine today, you're kidding me. 
But yes, that bullet is so close to their spine, so close to their heart, so close to their brain that the, the risk of surgery is greater than leaving the bullet there. Inches, centimeters, millimeters, small amounts matter. That's absurd. Come on. We're talking it is 2009. We're getting ready to step into 2010. And medicine can't fix a problem like that. Yes, medicine can't fix a problem like that because small matters. There's another saying that close only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes. But I bet besides me, there are few other people who would question that saying because there are many things where close counts. If you think about a close race, the smallest of seconds count in winning or being the first loser. Ask Michael Phelps if small amounts matter. For him, it's the difference between going home with a gold medal, going home with a silver. Seconds count. Seconds. I love March Madness. The thrill. Just, just, just watching those buzzer beaters. Seconds. Last shot. Boom. It counts. Small amounts matter. Is there anyone besides me who's ever had a problem with a company? And, uh, could be a, a power company, uh, a utility company. You're having a problem and, and, and you just can't seem to get that problem fixed. You call and call and call and you talk and talk and talk. And, and it seems like you never talk to the right person. But I've had a few occasions. I believe it was just the grace of God. Where I called and the right person picked up the phone. And they said, you know what? You're so lucky I was getting ready to leave. Small amounts matters. Now, in our text, verse 4 says, whoever, for whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The Greek word for overcome is nikeo. It means to subdue, to overcome, to get the victory. Subdue means basically you're going to tie something up and render it where it can't fight against you. Okay? Now, the Greek word for overcome in our text is nikeo. We subdue them. So who is it that has the ability to get the victory? Verse 4 is the answer. Whoever is born of God. So who is born of God is the next question, right? We can find that answer in verse 1. It says, whoever believes that Jesus the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. If you love God the Father, you love God the Son. So it's, it's, not, it's easy. If you are born of Christ, you're born of Christ. Then you're the one that I'm talking to. So tonight, if you have received Christ as your Savior, would you just raise your hand just in testimony? Bless God. Bless God. Yes. Okay. So we have a room full of victors. People who have already overcome. Now, first Paul goes on to say, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The victory. We overcome the world. We have the victory. Shout victory. victory. Say it again. Victory. victory. We have the victory. And this is the victory. The Greek word for, vic for victory, I found it very interesting, is Nike. How about that? We've heard that word somewhere, haven't we? Nike. Yes, the shoe company. Nike. It gets its name from the Greek goddess that had the same name. She was, guess what? The goddess of victory. 
in those times, if you believed in that God and you had a victory, you believe she was the one that was responsible for it. She was a goddess of victory. So this is the way that verse four should read for us tonight. For whoever is born of God subdues the world. Hmm. You should be subduing the world. Okay, so you should be tying up the world and having it lay down before you. But to me, it seems like the the roles have changed. The world has us bowing down and saying, whatever you want to do is okay with me. Not so, saints of God. You need to understand when you walk on the scene, the big man has just walked on the scene. The most important person in the world is now in your presence. You may choose to bow. You don't have to bow. But either way, you should recognize who I am. I am somebody in Christ. I am victorious in Christ. So whoever is born of God subdues the world. And this is the means to the success that has subdued the world, our faith. Now, how did we subdue the world? How is it that we have the ability to, to grab the world, tie it up, and then put it down by faith? The very thing that David used to put a ten and a half foot giant down on the ground, faith. David had to have faith, don't you think? A child fighting a man, most people wouldn't do that because most people know strength alone in some situations can lead to deciding between winning and losing. But David said it does not matter how big this man is because the God in me is bigger than everything. As a matter of fact, he's so big, the world can't hold him. But if he's so big, the world can't hold him. How is it he lives in you? Come on, saints of God. You got to see this picture clearer. God is in you. The creator, he lives in you. The difference between being a victim or victor is small. Okay, think about the word victim, victor. Here's how small it is. It's the difference between I am versus O-R. I'm, I'm, I'm. Okay, you say I'm, I'm, I'm. That is um, a, 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 a conjunction. Okay, you're taking I and am and you're putting them together. Okay, it's a, conju- it's a, it's a conjunction. They're, they're linking up. I being a, 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 a first person pronoun. I am. I am is, 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 is a way of, st- of stating a being. I exist. Okay, I am. I am. Anytime you're in a fight and you're saying I am, you're it. Whatever resources you have at your disposal to get yourself the victory, now that's what you need to use when the fight is yours. When I am decides, <laughs> you're on your own. Go right ahead. Fight Goliath. Take your best shot. Or you can realize who you are in God and realize that God is in you. You can say, I am a victim or I can do all things through Christ who gives me the victory. You can say, oh, just forget about me. I am a sinner and you just might as well leave me alone. Or you can say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I have sinned, but God's grace is big enough to cover me so that when I confess my sins, his word says he's faithful and just to forgive me. And not only forgive me, but clean me up from all my wrong deeds. You can walk around saying, I am so sick, I'm going to die. Or you can say, By his stripes, I am healed. 
I don't care what the doctor tells me till God says I'm coming home to him. I'm still walking on this earth. And as long as I'm walking on this earth by his stripes, I'm healed. You can keep saying I am waiting on my breakthrough or you can say my breakthrough is just waiting on me. My breakthrough is there. It's just waiting for me to meet up with it. It's coming closer as I keep walking. It's just waiting for me to walk through it. It's up here, saints of God. You can say, I'm waiting for my victory, and then I'll praise the Lord. Or you can not wait till the battle is over and shout now. Because you know in the end, you win. you got to remember Proverbs 18.21. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Okay, you choose again. Are you a victim or are you a victor? Will you choose death or will you choose life? But it starts out right here in what you say. Okay, so choose to be positive. Regardless of the situation, talk about the positive outcome of it. And you might say, preacher, man, that's insane. No, whatever your reality is, is what your reality is. You can tell a person who is 10 feet tall that you're the smallest person on the earth. And they believe it, regardless of how big they are. They're going to consider themselves to be the smallest person in the world. Whatever your mentality is, whatever your reality says you are, that's where you are. So you can walk around in defeat if that's what you choose to decide to walk in. You can walk around in victory, understanding that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the victory. you got to make a decision, saints, because the battle starts up here. You can choose to love your neighbor just like you love yourself. You can choose to give God praise. You can choose to pray. You could choose to believe. I was blessed last night to to preach a, um, uh, at our church, and my message was faith and Mother Goose. Sounds kind of funny, I know. Faith and Mother Goose, but I'm closing. Here is the thing. We all grew up hearing fairy tales, right? And you being a child yourself perhaps had a few that you enjoyed because it gave you the ability to get beyond where you are right now. And get to a place that in your mind was much better, right? So, many of us growing up, I'm going to be careful as I say this because I know how um, some households are. There is a person next month that is very important that we all at one time, so glad he was coming, right? Couldn't tell us otherwise, but we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he was coming, right? So, you tell me when you believe that you really believe. Because if you did, that's your reality. And regardless of what anybody said, that's what you believe. Now, if you can believe in things like um, 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 princesses and Peter Pan or, or whatever it is when you're younger, why can't you believe in what God can do when you're older? Saints of God, it's not really hard. Faith in God is what you need to have victory. Victory. I'll say it one more time. Victory. Faith in God, you got the victory. So tonight, we're going to offer an invitation for anybody who right now does not have the victory. You're looking at this and you're realizing you are fighting a battle that you really can't win. Well, guess what? I have help for you tonight. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. He died so that when you die... You don't go to a really, really bad place. The really bad place is somewhere where you can't get to God. It's called hell. 
By having faith in Jesus Christ and realizing he died for your sins and placing that faith, same thing I'm talking about when you were a kid, place that in God. He then gives you an exchange. You exchange your bad things for his good things, and now you're righteous in his sight. You then become a child of God. We're going to uh, ask that everyone wants to stand. We're going to extend the invitation to, the, to discipleship. There's someone here who wants to come to Christ and give their life to him. We're going to ask that you would come. Perhaps you are here tonight and you're looking for a church home. And you're, you're thinking, Ark of Salvation, well, if God led you here, this is where God wants you to be. So I want to ask if you're wanting to join Ark of Salvation, you can come tonight. And perhaps you find yourself right now in that backslidden thing. You just kind of walked away from God. God hasn't changed his mind about you. He still loves you just the same and simply wants you to come back. We're going to ask that you would come right now. Is there one? Is there one? God loves you. He's waiting. He wants you to come. Is there one? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We give God praise on tonight. I want you to decide, are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be a victor? Because something's going to come your way tomorrow to see if you really believe. Because regardless of where I am or what position I find myself, I know I'm walking out with the victory. Because in my mind, I know I win. I pray that is what you have received on tonight. Be victorious in your life. Set your atmosphere wherever it is. You can be at work and not shout and not uh, open one mouth as far as saying you are a Christian. But in your mind, you can walk around knowing that you are the king of the world because the king of the world lives in you. And wherever he is, that's the kingdom. So when you walk in a realm, in, in a room, royalty has just walked in because God is walking in with me. And if you have that attitude, that persona, people treat you the way you let them treat you. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. This ends message number 6301 by James Sappho. To hear other messages or to send this message number 6301 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com or theonlineword.com. This has been message number 6301. Victim or Victor, listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.